The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone, goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again! Platoon, present cell phone. High Five! High Five! Casino! Casino! Win at High Five Casino! High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code. A lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant. AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash code assistant. IBM. Let's create. Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and P&G's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. All right, welcome to It Could Happen Here, a podcast that is about 50% of the time introduced well and about 50% of the time us talking about how we're bad at introductions. And today it is it is just me, Christopher. But with me is... Hadley and Mike from Lobelia Commons, who are here to talk about many things. One of which is their uh, is, is is the first edition of their Earthbound Farmers Almanac. Hey, hey, how how are you two doing today? I, I heard I heard there's maybe a thunderstorm rolling in. Yeah, we're doing pretty good. Um, gonna be glad for the rain, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it'll be good. Uh, we could have it. <laughs> We want to talk a little bit first about Lobelia Commons. So, how did that project start? I know, I know, it was something from the beginning of the pandemic, but had y'all been working on this kind of stuff before? And yeah, just run, run us through a little bit of that. Yeah, so it kind of started um, last year during the pandemic. Basically, um, basically at the beginning of the pandemic, we had um, a, like a surge of interest in these like kind of mutual aid groups. Um, and the, the largest of which that formed in New Orleans specifically, which some of us helped form, was called New Orleans Mutual Aid Group, which was doing 
like food distribution, it, it kind of stemmed out of a project that was already um, running like a food share, basically getting uh, excess produce that was coming into the port and distributing it for free in front of like one of the gentrifying grocery stores. Um, but within like, I want to say like a couple of weeks, um, there was such an in a surge of interest in doing that type of like volunteer whatever um, work that there was like a ton of labor to make it happen. Mm. And that basically meant buying tons of produce eventually because the ports eventually shut down I and mean, there wasn't any produce coming from mm. anywhere at the beginning of the pandemic. And so that meant basically buying tons of produce from like Costco and, and that labor meant like waiting in lines for, you know, wrapping around entire like massive, like multi-city block warehouse Jeez. stores. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that was basically doing like food distribution. So we took the opportunity to, since there was so much labor happening, that we could go and, and start to address the question of like um, food production specifically and, and try and do that in interesting ways. Um, so we felt like it was pretty important to start like experimenting in different forms of food production and like like ways of relating to food production. Um, so, I mean, this, this first started with like a... Um, we were basically just starting tons of seeds and delivering them all over the city, um, just driving around from, we had like one centralized nursery that was run out of a warehouse. Um, and that was a ton of labor. It was a really time consuming. It was super centralized. And so we moved from that into a, a number of other projects. Um, short, shortly thereafter, we Put together like a like a collaborative mushroom production group where we were um, getting people who had been growing mushrooms and teaching folks and sh like doing skill shares to produce oyster mushrooms out of buckets. Um, we started doing some like woodlot production of shiitakes, um, which has like mm -hmm. since expanded pretty dramatically. Um, and yeah, just like kind of like things that, that draw people's interest like that and, and, and think about like how you can grow food in an urban or peri-urban mm. scenario um, fairly interestingly and like with joy. Um, also, um, you know, after this, we, we were reached out to by folks that were like, well, I, I want to grow herbs. And rather than specifically getting like a lot and covering it in different um herbal medicines, we uh, reached out, had already had folks reaching out to us. Um, so someone came up with the idea of, well, let's just all grow in like our backyards, tons of herbs, and let's find um, herbs that already grow abundantly around us to kind of collectively share the experience of harvesting and, um, and turning those into um, medicines. Um, and so now there's like this herb commons group that the labor is distributed, it's tri distributed geographically, um, but there's these like meetups where their um, bulk herbs are given up, yeah, given out, uh, just like in a communal space, and um, yeah, like uh, there's skill shares happening therein, and so there's kind of some community being built around that, um, that, that that happens in a very decentralized manner. Yeah, it's definitely very decentralized. There are working groups that are part of Lobelia Commons that I'm like not entirely sure what they're doing in any <laughs> given day or, yep. you know, what, what's going on. I'm involved in like a couple 
particular projects within it. Um, and I think that it's really flexible for folks who are trying to get involved. They can kind of be involved at whatever level they want. Like um, if somebody doesn't want to go to a bunch of garden work days or a bunch of meetings or something, which, you know, are, have been a great way for us to like see each other and see our friends during the pandemic and stuff is to get together for these work days outdoors or whatnot. But if somebody wants to just like do nothing but sprout plants at their own house and then <laughs> Somebody will come pick up those seedlings and, and, you know, bring them to one of our decentralized nursery spots. That's great. Um, that's one of the other kind of projects we have. We call it the decentralized nursery. And that's kind of like just something that people already do at a certain time of year. You know, gardeners will regularly start more plants than they need and then just kind of give them away to friends and neighbors and stuff. And we tried to just make it a little bit more of an intentional thing. Um, and this was also kind of growing out of like at the very beginning of the pandemic when we were actually doing seedling deliveries to people, which made sense at that time, but it was like very labor intensive. Mm. Um, so we kind of moved to this model of having just like free stands in front of houses, on street corners, in different places. Um, you know, there's already like a bunch of free fridges around New Orleans and things like that. And so this is kind of like, the free plant version of that. And it's really <laughs> easy for somebody to just set one up. Um, and then that kind of also allows us to like work on this other aspect of, of decentralizing food production. Cause like that's definitely one of our goals, right. Is to like not have a tiny percentage of the population be the only ones who know how to grow food and yep. doing it under the control of a tiny number of corporations that own all the land. And, you know, obviously we're trying to get away from that food system. And so, one of the ways we can think about doing that is finding ways to really decentralize some of the skills that are um, that are necessary. So, for example, like if somebody's growing avocados for our nurseries, um, the thing about growing an avocado from a pit actually is that uh, that tree probably won't produce fruit. Uh, <laughs> it actually needs to be grafted. Um, so we can have people starting pits and then we're also, you know, sharing the knowledge of how to graph these things. Um, because we kind of like see a future in which a lot more people, um, will need to be involved in food production, but also like Mike was saying, like, we want this to be not like a job that it feels like people have, but this joyous kind of thing. That's just a part of everyday life. Yeah, one of the other things that I was I was interested in is, you know, so so part part of what I think if it, the, the the beginning of the the, the Earthbound Farmers Almanac is about is talking about how I guess people people have this tendency to sort of focus on climate change as just like the only sort of climate thing that's happening, and you know, I mean, there's obviously the, yeah, there, there's there's a bunch of sort of stuff that is climate change but isn't the weather that are sort of you know the, things like the phosphorus cycle things like the, the nitrogen cycle that are breaking but simultaneously I, I think it's it's also true that you know that 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 kind of stuff and, and this is also something that's, that's talked about in there is is going to have a, a large impact both on sort of like even just what what kind of biomes exist in the, in a very short term and you know another product of that is you know, is 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 that the the sort of increasing rate of storms? And I was wondering if y'all could talk a, a bit about what happened after Ida, and how both just sort of in, in the short term and long term, the the sort of the increase of just hurricanes and 
I hesitate to call them natural disasters because you know that there's there's a whole thing about how these disasters are sort of manufactured in a lot of ways. But how how that's been affecting how y'all I think are sort of thinking about and working with these kind of mutual aid projects and food production. Yeah, so I think with Ida, it's, it's kind of complicated because um, you could almost look at it, look at it as like two different storms. Um, because what happened in New Orleans versus what happened in, say, like um, Homa or the River Parishes, um, these areas that are, you know, generally south and west of New Orleans um, are, are, are kind of like two different uh, animals in some ways, like what happened in New Orleans specifically relates to infrastructure. So like what you're mm -hmm. saying, like the kind of quote unquote natural disasters thing, that's, um, you know, that's a pretty commonplace way of looking. I mean, it's not a very radical um, conception that like these aren't natural disasters or whatever. The disaster is, is created as soon as um, there was the attempt to create uh, a colonial New Orleans in the first place. And mm. um, so this became honestly part of like national discourse as a result of Katrina, most famously because of the Army Corps of Engineers um, failure um, in 2005. And um, so what happened this year um, was with, with Hurricane Ida was the, the one of the main transmission towers um, for the, the Entergy, Energy Corporation in New Orleans is called Entergy for those that are outside of the Gulf South aren't familiar with. So the energy tower fell into the Mississippi River. Um, you had that happening at the same time that thousands of power lines fell down. The, the power lines are, are, are um, on poles and very prone to getting knocked down, um, yep. even just during the during any day of the week. Um, and so there wasn't actually really much flooding um, that was happening. It, it was it was primarily wind damage. So the, the tower falls into the river. Uh, power lines down. You had something like, I believe, 55 barges in the port oh. of South Louisiana falling into the, or falling off their moorings and floating around. Just crashing into things. Just crashing. And <laughs> like, there's like several ferries that connect the east and west banks of the city. Um, those fell off their moorings. So, so like the physical infrastructure of the place and, and how that relates to beyond New Orleans is New Orleans is located at the very um, southern reach of the Mississippi River's port of south, southern Louisiana, which is like a 55-mile port, I believe, a 52-mile port, um, that pr processes like 60% of all U.S. grain going to export. So it's like a massive, really, really uh, important uh, piece of uh, American capitalist in infrastructure. So that when, when those boats fall off their moorings, it's not like, oh, this like whatever uh, quaint like uh, bayou problem. It's a very serious mm -hmm. Uh, imperial problem um, but so for, for the average person living in New Orleans um, this looked like uh, I think I think it ended up being for most people around a week and a half without power which if anyone's lived even with air conditioning in New Orleans for a summer um, it's it's extremely difficult to live uh, here during the summer um, it's, it's obviously not impossible we have uh, modern am amenities, but when you're when you're without those, when you're without yeah. the refrigerator, when you're out without um, your freezer, air conditioning, it's it's really 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 hot. Um, you know, uh, so that's what was happening in New Orleans. There was some some damage to people's roofs. There was um, some you know fairly fairly substantial uh, damage to the structures. But what happened to the west in cities like Laplace? Um, 
which um, is about 25, 30 miles west of New Orleans, um, that's where you started to see like very severe flooding, very severe um, damage to structures, places like Homa, Lafitte, um, uh, Port Shan, all these places that are closer to the coast. That's where you saw the real heavy destruction. So a lot of people have been framing what's happened uh, down the bayou and in the river parishes, as we would say, um, as like those places, Katrina, um, because it's it, the destruction was was so total in that way. Um, so the way that you relate to um, that type of again quote unquote disaster is much is much different. Whereas what happened in New Orleans um, is more of a continuation of, of what could be called like. Um, a series of apocalypses that have been happening since colonization. High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at highfivecasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ plus community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! You're probably careful with your personal information. But what about the other places that have it? Like the doctor's office that mixed up your files. They have your social security number. The power company that mistakenly cut your service has your payment info and last three addresses. And the hotel that lost your reservation has your passport info. Your information is in endless places out of your control. Any one of them could accidentally expose you to hackers and identity theft through lax security, breaches, or simple mistakes. But LifeLock monitors millions of data points every second and alerts you to a wide range of threats. If your identity is stolen, a U.S.-based restoration specialist will fix it, guaranteed, or your money back. With plans covering up to $3 million for stolen funds and expenses. Mistakes happen. Don't let not having protection be one of them. Save up to 40% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 40%. Terms apply. Baseball fans. 
BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. I think that's, a, that's an interesting point also that, that, that I want to talk about a little bit about uh, U.S. grain exports, because I think that that's another part of this whole food system question that is important on a scale that I don't think people understand. Like, you know, it's just for, for a bit of background for our listeners. So when, when all of the sort of giant uh, like free trade agreements went into effect, um, you know, so, so the free trade agreements are like, okay, you're, you're not supposed to be able to like have government subsidies of, of agricultural products. And there's, there's a couple of carve outs that were put into this. So now, almost all of them, but there are exceptions for there's, there's a couple of like weird manufacturing stuff in like Italy and Germany that have carve outs. And the other big one is that the, the, the US government's allowed to just do enormous levels of agricultural subsidies that no one else like really in the world is allowed to like match or do i mean do it like you know you know if, if if you try to have grain subsidies rise like you you know the imf will come after you like you, you you know you're not allowed to do it but then you know simultaneously you have the u.s producing all of this like this i mean it, it's it's not it's not really cheap right but it's it's you know this enormously subsidized grain that nobody can actually really compete with and and i think it, that's that's like an interesting i was wondering what like how how, how do you guys think about that in terms of you know, try, trying to do decentralized, I guess, agriculture in a place that's, to a large extent, this sort of, like, conduit of grain to the rest of the world, but in, in a way that, like, also inhibits uh, those places from actually, you know, have, having their own kind of, like, decentralized agriculture? Um, I mean, I can speak a little bit about, like, what that kind of does to our context of, like, making it, like, especially when I see people in the kind of organic gardening farming world trying to go on this model of like oh we're going to make you know regenerative agriculture profitable and we're going to make it somehow compete with conventional mm. agriculture um and i guess i just don't really think that that is is feasible in yeah. that in that terrain like you know if, if we're trying to compete on that same terrain and we're competing with these absurd subsidies it definitely just the same problem that you see around the world where people aren't able to afford to grow their own thing because there's no way they can they can sell it as cheaply as, as u.s grain um so i think it's more important to sort of like look at like there's the, there's a piece in the almanac actually that sort of gets into this this issue of like well are we really growing enough food in in this regenerative way like you know we, we don't even hardly grow 
that many grains or that many high calorie mm -hmm. things. A lot of things are just focused on vegetables and things like that. And like, I think that's a really important critique. And also I think that the way out of it isn't just going to be us trying harder or yeah. something or um, like the, the future I envision for us, like really changing the food system kind of involves like really large scale expropriation Mm -hmm. of that land where the grain is being produced and of those huge machineries, those huge like satellite powered or satellite directed, you know, plows and, and tractors and whatnot that are, that are doing this stuff. Um, and so like when I'm trying to think about like the impact that a food project is having or like a food justice project, I don't try to think like we're trying to replace uh, agro business on its own terms. I think like, we're trying to be an ally or an, an aid to any kind of antagonistic sort of social movement that actually is going to create the conditions where like we can all get together and start to actually address these problems um, without being hindered by, you know, things like private property. So I guess that, that, that that's a good point to, to jump into the almanac from, I think. Yeah, do, do you want to inter just introduce the project a little bit? And then we can talk about some of the, the stuff in it that I thought was really interesting. Yeah, so the Almanac kind of came out of like a little bit of a, like, par partially as like a joke, you know, where like <laughs> everyone gets the, um, the Almanac and kind of, you know, it doesn't really relate too much to, um, to like most of us, what we would be growing. Um, so we, we, had, we had posited something like different, you know, something that, that does kind of grapple with some of the questions of, you know, growing food and kind of the, the conditions we live in. Maybe you can speak on it more. Yeah, I can even just, I'll actually just read the back of it because I think it speaks to it pretty well. This is a farmer's almanac for the end of the world. Growing food used to be a lot more straightforward when you'd plant your okra the same time every year like your grandpa did. Now we've got to be ready for anything. Late spring freezes freak heat waves that bring plants out of dormancy too early, fire season longer every year, the polar vortex. And if that wasn't enough, we've also got to contend with the fallout from breakages in the global supply chain when millions of gallons of milk get poured down the drain and mountains of potatoes are left to rot. It's a world that calls for a new kind of farmer's almanac. Today's crisis has roots in the earliest moments of land theft against native peoples, a process that has continued alongside hundreds of years of slavery and colonization. The way forward out of this mess will mean grappling with the crimes of the past, as well as charting a new course guided by Black and Indigenous knowledge, creative experimentation in food production, and paying attention across generational and species divides. So, I mean, one, one like very concrete example of like how this farmer's almanac is different than what you might see just from the standard almanac is... Um, you know, we we don't have like, oh, it's it's May, it's time to plant corn or whatever. Because I mean, first of all, that that was never that useful as for a publication that's meant to be used across this vast continent. You know, it's going to be different everywhere. Um, where you're going to plant things at which time, um, but also like those standard resources that we would go to, like for here for the southeast, for example, or wherever. Like if you're looking at something that was made a few decades ago, it's not going to actually be accurate or it's going to give you undue certainty about where the seasons line up and things like that. So 
you know, instead of telling people exactly when to plant their seeds, we have a chart that has the actual germination temperatures of like all the major annual vegetables that people would want to grow. Um, and then we also have like the uh, monthly notes from this local farm in New Orleans. So, you know, located in this area, you can you can also get a really precise view of like, oh, they were planting this then, they were harvesting this then. Yeah, I, th I think that we hope to make something that was, you know, our, our original focus was something that was specific to New Orleans and the region, um, you know, in the Gulf South and the Southeast generally, um, because we are so aware of the, the you know, the differences or, or what have you between growing food here and growing food in Ohio or something or whatever. And, and we all get these same seeds, you know, out of Walmart or Lowe's or whatever and try and grow the exact same plants all over the place. So trying to um, hone in on some of that local perspective um, with me with, in terms of like getting some like folk tradition, getting some, um, you know, anecdotal uh evidence about you know things that worked or things that people are trying um and uh but i think that that was that was fairly successful um i think i think a, a side that we weren't really expecting as much was just the amount of uh, national and even international um kind of grasp that it had um i think a lot of people like could could use something like this in in their area um and it's fostered some really interesting connections for people that are experimenting in New York, for people that are, are growing things or thinking about maybe um, food systems and how they relate to prisons in California or um, even, uh, you know, as far away as Brazil, um, it, it's kind of began to foster a connection between Lobelia Commons and a group called Teia dos Povos, which translates roughly to like the web of people's um, in Brazil, uh, so-called Brazil, um, where it's a kind of like experimental agroecology project that's very specific, um, specifically focused on, um, you know, sovereignty, um, land stewardship, kind of following a little bit in the tradition of um, the landless workers movement, if anyone's familiar with MST. Um, it's kind of following in that tradition a bit, um, but is, is heavily stewarded by uh, black and indigenous knowledges. Yeah, so that was uh, uh, something I think of a like a kind of pleasant surprise out of it. Yeah, I, th I thought that was that was a really interesting way of looking at it because I feel like there, there's this tendency in the U.S. to it, you know when 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 we talk about sort of our relationship to the land, which which is something that comes up a lot in in the sort of essays that are in, are in the almanac is about. You know, like there, there, there's, there's a piece that I related to a lot, which is about someone from Guam trying to sort of deal with, like, I mean, particularly like legacies of sort of Japanese imperialism and being driven from their home. And it was like, oh, hey, look, like this, this is, yeah, you know, is this, this is someone who experienced when Japan went west, and it was like, oh yeah, my family had this basically very similar thing when they went east, and you know, but, but there's, there's, I, I think, yeah, and I, I think it's very smartly you, you get to, you get to a point very quickly where you're trying to grapple with you know how do you, how do you build connections to land but then also how how does that work in a context in you know in a context that's basically defined by settler colonialism and defined by by this sort of by this occupation and i think looking at the mst looking at a lot of the stuff that happened in latin america i mean there there's very 
similar to what you guys were talking about in Brazil, there, there, there was a huge movement like this that was indigenous land reclamation, sort of agroecology in, in Colombia, for example, too, in, in the 90s. And they, they, they run into this problem of, you know, there's, there's a civil war going on in Colombia and they, a lot of them get murdered by sort of state paramilitaries and the army. But I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting way of, of, of looking at what, what, is, what does land back actually look like and how, how you deal with interacting with land. And also, yeah, the land's workers in particular, they use a lot of methods, but you know, they, they actually do just take a, like, an enormous amount of land like back from the state and sort of back from corporate things. So I, I'm interested in how you all started talking to a, a lot of these, a lot of the Brazilian groups and how that sort of, like that, that perspective has shaped the way that like this, this, this whole sort of project turned out. Um, so we were specifically to Teodos Povos, um, some previous connections that some of us had um, in Brazil um, had when talking about what we were doing and just kind of keeping up a, an exchange of, uh, um, you know, just like kind of updates from, from the Gulf when they would exchange, send um, updates from uh, things going on down there. Uh, they kind of drew the connection for us and, hmm. and put us towards them. And I reached out um, to Teodos Povos and was like, Hey, we're, you know, we're doing this thing. And, and I, you know, I'm inspired by what you're doing personally, and and um, I, you know I I'd be curious to see what what um, what kind of relationship uh, whatever we can foster, and um, they they took it um, you know also with with some inspiration, seeing that this very clear connection in terms of um, relationship with land historically, um, dispossession historically between the two continents. Um, across the Caribbean, um, the implementation on a wide scale of uh, plantation monoculture um, it, that was fueled entirely by slavery and genocide. Um, and, and I think that having that kind of like shared common history, I think gives us a good bedrock to like um, exchange notes about where we are now, kind of multiplied by the fact that the way that um, the so-called emancipation happened here versus in Brazil, radically different. Um, the, the, um, like the, for instance, the existence of PT or the Workers' Party in Brazil being such a force after the dictatorship and, and having that like strong populist movement um, that was, you know, rooted in a very traditional left um, that, that fueled MST, well, you don't have anything like that here. You know, yeah. that, that happens at the same time that here, actually, the, the workers' movement in the U.S. Was, was kind of getting defeated, I mean, the, um, up in the 70s. Um, so with respect to, like, um, land back specifically, um, you know, I don't know, if you, I don't know if you will see it in the same forms. I, I, I doubt, at least. Um, obviously would totally be there cheering it on and, and um, happy to see it. Um, but I think it looks a lot more like during the uprising last year, you saw in Chicago, for instance, um, the, uh, when, the, when like the trains were being expropriated as they were moving, taking goods out of these boxcars um, and just expropriating tons of goods, taking, you know, taking goods that would normally be going, you know, just commodities normally going to port 
just cut off in the middle of the line or, you know, um, these, 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 these kind of like more, um, uh, I don't want to say small scale, but, um, focus more on like infrastructural choke points rather than necessarily, um, uh, like having thousands of people swarming, uh, you know, a, a massive, uh, industrial agriculture, um, uh, set up in, in Kansas or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's great to imagine that. I think I, I really love sharing the history of MST with people in America who've never heard it before, because I think it's a great way to kind of expand the imaginary of like, what is possible, like what kind of actions are actually at our disposal, like, and, and it truly is not going to look exactly like that. And I think it's yeah. also really important for us to like, not forget a lot of the similar histories here, like um, part of uh, the inspiration for the Almanac or what kind of drove us to, to make it was some of us were doing a, a reading group of this book called Freedom Farmers that's about kind of like various uh, um, black projects in the South for food autonomy after slavery. And a lot of it is about Fannie Lou Hamer and um, Freedom Farms. And, you know, we were definitely inspired for some of the Lobelia things by um, Fannie Lou Hamer's pig bank, which was a really cool thing where they just like started with a bunch of pigs. And if you were in the community, like you get you get your pigs from you get a couple piglets from the pig bank. And then the interest on that is a couple of years later, you got to give them a couple pigs because <laughs> you're producing your own pigs. And so the pig bank is like self-sustaining. Um, and another thing from that book that was inspiring to us was um, reading about uh, George Washington Carver's public education projects out of Tuskegee University uh, that were um, just really inspiring in terms of like he was doing all of his own kind of independent research about soils and pests and all these different crops and everything and creating these farm bulletins that uh, were then being distributed uh, to black farmers throughout the region to kind of, you know, share better practices. And a lot of the stuff was like agroecology before people had that word. Like he was very far ahead of his time in terms of understanding soil dynamics and, and pests and things like that. Um, so yeah, we, we definitely try to try to lift up all that history as much as possible. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ plus community. 
Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new indulgent moisture body wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Yeah, I guess uh, the other thing I thought was very interesting that you, you alluded to briefly in this was yeah because there's there's a section of this that's talking about food in prisons and i wonder if you could talk about that part a little bit more because that's a connection that i that i i really don't think gets drawn very often oh here let me flip to the piece right there i mean (laughs) one of the things that it's kind of hard to describe i i do love the visual that that we have for this piece but yeah i mean it just like the it's a striking image you know it's got like um in the center there's a picture of a really high density chicken operation and there's somebody wearing sort of like a full Tyvek suit suit and just walking through this like massive herd of chickens. And then that's superimposed over this just like really nasty looking close up photo of a prison food tray and just like the canned veggies and the everything. And like, I mean, I don't, I've been to jail a number of times and the food is always terrible. It's always one of the things you talk about or you can bond over or whatever. It's just how bad the food is. But I think people who haven't experienced that don't really think about just how much systematic like starvation is going on and malnutrition is going on where it's like the only way you can possibly survive in these places is spending a bunch of extra money on commissary to get stuff that also isn't healthy, but at least you can get more calories and stuff. Yeah. 
Um, and like, I think that, that there's like a lot of parallels between kind of the structure of prisons and the structure of our, of our food system. Um, I mean, one example that I used to talk about this is like the banana plantation, um, where like the, you know, we have an entire variety of banana that's like basically extinct or it's, it, it can't be grown commercially anymore because the banana industry, you know, functions by putting, by warehousing these bananas together in these like super tight plantation formations, you know, which really only makes sense if you're just trying to maximize your profits and get as much out of a, a small space as possible. But what it does is is the exact same thing that happens in prisons during COVID or with any kind of, uh, you know, pathogen like tuberculosis or whatever. Um, you know, it, it's like the, the trees are so close together that uh, the fungus spreads so rapidly. And then they're also yep. like pumping all these things in to, to fight that. And they're actually breeding super funguses all the time. And at some point, the banana that we eat now is going to also stop existing because of this. Um, and I guess I, I don't know if I can draw anything deeper out of those similarities other than the fact that there's this like overriding logic of capitalism that is just like has no respect for these beings, like whether it is a person or a banana tree, like it's all just commodities and things to be warehoused. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I, th I think, um, to add on that, I mean, this is the piece in there, which is called uh, the struggle for good food across walls. Um, I think it does a nice job of, of talking about how, like, um, you know, if we're talking about, quote unquote, food, food justice or, or what have you, like, um, like, how can we talk about that on the outside while forgetting about just the most um, deplorable um, food conditions on the entire continent? Um, and... I think that, that it's it's really good at that. I think I would really like to see in the next year all the ways that um, the imaginaries of, of inmates mm. kind of go and in, in, in like attack that um, the, like the logic of, of prison food being completely uh, deplorable. Like, you know, you have all these forms of creativity of like making tortillas and stuff and like uh, doing wild things with like stuff that's in the commissary uh you know contraband kind of ways of of making kind of life a little bit more livable in there and, and if anyone has um spent time in jail or prison uh or or kept up a, a relationship with someone on the inside or, or what have you um everyone has a story about a, a way of um making making uh food more um interesting and joyful and, and like there becomes whole cultures around them uh, one of the things that we're starting to do in uh, one of the, the farm spaces we work with outside of the city is, is um, through pre-existing relationships with inmates in Angola State Penitentiary in Louisiana, which, for those that don't know, um, was a plantation. Civil War happens two years after the Civil War. It becomes a, a Louisiana State Penitentiary. It's still a plantation. It's, you know, uh, this, many times it's descendants of the same enslaved folks who were on that plantation prior. Um, and, you know, it's a it's a guard on a horseback riding around while yep. there's um, folks pulling cotton. Um, and so 
so through some of these relationships with some of these uh, inmates who are um, like kind of uh, clandestine organizers, um, we're um, starting to come up with ways to like grow food collaboratively with folks that are behind walls and, and find ways to get food to either their family or maybe sell and get that into their commissary. Kind of just like trying to um, spitball ideas about like different ways of producing food despite people's um, incarceration. Yeah, that, that seems that seems like a really, I guess the only word you can really say is necessary way for, for this sort of food politics to go if it's going to actually deal with sort of both the, the, the land conditions and the conditions of just, you know, the fact that we have an enormous, that there's still just an enormous slave population in the U.S., and I think that kind of resistance and creativity, I think, is how, yeah, y'all are y'all are on the right track with with pushing it that way. Yeah, that this is this is sort of a bleak <laughs> note to end on, I think. But I don't know. I think it, it yeah, it's a, it's a it's a hopeful one too. And where can people find? But basically, all of y'all's work. And then also, you talked a little bit about trying to get submissions for and everything. So can you yeah talk a little bit about how that how that's going to work? Yeah. Um, so we're, we're, uh, it's, it's kind of been on hold a little bit because we've been like, uh, very active after Ida, um, yeah. Yeah. and, you know, trying to make sure our people are all good and, um, yep. supporting, um, in various places and kind of doing like different workshops and stuff. And, and cause that our, our focus isn't just on food production. It's also like neighborhood survival or whatever. So mm-hmm. we've been, um, working with an old um, neighbor of one of ours who, um, you know, she's already been kind of doing this mutual aid stuff, you know, by any other name for decades, you yeah. know, letting people stay in her house, um, feeding people. Um, she's like kind of like a block mama. And she's really one of the last um, black homeowners in her neighborhood. So we're really trying to like um, help her achieve some autonomy. One way that we've been putting it is, um, when all the Airbnbs like lose their power because they're still reliant on the colonial um, world, well, Miss Althea could still have her lights on because she's going to be totally autonomous from the system. So um, I think that that link is on our Instagram page. If you click on the like um, the link or whatever, there's a GoFundMe that um, is uh, where we've been putting a lot of our effort and really working with her on. Um, and then also like growing, growing a garden like adjacent to her so that um, people in that community are, are food, as, as food autonomous as, um, as we can get. Um, we, can, we can put that in the show notes, too. Yeah, and the, um, the handle for both Twitter and Instagram is at Lobelia Commons. And the Almanac, you can find links to the Almanac PDF on, through either of those um, if you want to just read it for free. And then um, there's also copies for sale on emergentgoods.com. And for um, submissions, I mean, yeah, like I said, we've been really behind on this just because of all this stuff. But for submissions, we're really um, looking for folks um, to contribute, throw us a pitch. Um, I think if you've seen the first one or have listened to this, you probably get something of an idea of what we're looking for. Um, and we're happy to like talk to people about like, you know, different ideas. Um, <laughs> bear with us if we're a little slow to respond <laughs> because we're, you know, kind of still uh, waist deep right now. But the, yeah. the submission for deadlines is the end of October. 
Um, and you can email ideas or pitches or whatever to lobeliacommons at protonmail.com. And lastly, the project that I'm most focused on is the Front Yard Orchard Initiative, where basically we just propagate as many fruit trees as cheaply as possible, things that are really easy for us to grow from cuttings like figs, mulberries, things that are easy to grow from seed like papaya, moringa, pecan. Um, and we basically just have some nice flyers that we put up and we advertise a bit on social media and also just kind of go door to door uh, in neighborhoods where we already have gardens or connections and offer to give free fruit trees out to people. And we're also happy to plant them for people and then kind of offer a consultation on how to take care of it or whatever. And also if folks want to hear some of the pieces from the 2021 Earthbound Farmers Almanac read by some of the authors and then some interviews with those authors, you can check out this podcast called Partisan Gardens that did a really good episode that's kind of like an audio exploration of the almanac. Cool. Yeah. Def- people people def- definitely go read the almanac. It is it's 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 a it's a really good it's a really good piece of work. Um yeah, thank thank you two so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Robert Evans here, and I wanted to ask for your help. There is a Portland-area woman, Ruba Tamimi. She's an Arabic interpreter and a Palestinian liberation activist, and she is trying to save her home at the moment. Uh, she's got a GoFundMe. If you go to Save Ruba's House, R-U-B-A, on GoFundMe, you'll find it. Uh, Save Ruba's House on GoFundMe. If you've got a few bucks, um, she could really use it. Again, Save Ruba's House, R-U-B-A, at GoFundMe. Thanks. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at highfivecasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas, and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at highfivecasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at high5casino.com. High Five Casino. I'm going out with the girls this weekend. Nails done. Outfit stunner. And my skin I know it's going to be glowing because I glammed up my shower routine with new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash. It smells so luxurious and deeply moisturizes with its super rich, creamy lather that's bursting with vitamin B3 complex. So my skin glows and my confidence grows. Try new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash for glowing skin in just 14 days. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. 
That's right. 159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now.